This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. Hello, hello. We are excited to be back and we have an exciting episode for you guys. But before we do that, we just want to remind you all that we have a few new resources out on the Reclaiming Families website. So go check it out at reclaimingfamilies.org. Follow us on social media, um, share the podcast. And if you've been following the last few times, then you know that we are in a brand new series about what it looks like to have a warm home. And uh, if you got to listen to last week's episode, we were with um, the Dooleys, Jim and Janice Dooley, and they were telling us a little bit about raising their family growing up, or as their family was growing up. And so today, we are really excited that we have four out of the five Dooley kids. Well, they're not they're not kids anymore, but four out of the five of the original Dooleys. So, um, well, if you guys wanted to, you can go through and introduce yourselves. Maybe go like oldest to youngest or I don't, however y'all want to do it. Just hop in however you want. Yeah, that sounds awesome, Hillary. Uh, my name is JP Dooley. I am the oldest at 29 and, uh, I live in Knoxville and, uh, yeah. All right. My name is Ben Dooley. I will be a little bit more detailed than my older, wiser brother. Jamie. I can be more detailed. <laughs> it's okay. That's, no, you had your chance. You had your chance. It's okay. Um, I am uh, 27, 28. Hannah, how old am I? 28. 28. I'm 28. Um, so I, uh, I live here in Knoxville as well. And, and uh, I am a law student. Full time. I have a wife of going on five years and a baby boy of 10 months old. And uh, at 28, I still love my family. So I'm excited mm. to be here and, and looking forward to talking with everyone. Awesome. Thanks. Um, I'm the next. I'm Ellen. I am 26 years old. I am the only female in the fam represented. Mary Grace is out tonight, um, but I live in Knoxville. I'm a nurse at ET Med. Um, yeah, I love my family. That's pretty much it. But my name is David. I am uh, I'm the third boy, the youngest of the boys, and the second youngest child. Um, I am 24. I'm currently in school at UT, um, pursuing my PhD in chemical engineering. Although I may not act like it a lot of times. Um, I am uh, happily married to um, a wonderful wife of three, three and change years, and I have we just had a little baby boy who's now three months old. Um, yeah. So, does someone want to um, give a little bio on Mary Grace since she's not here? Ellen, you want to do that representing the ladies? Yes, absolutely. Mary Grace is a very crisp, 18 years old. She's a freshman at Tennessee Tech. She loves biology. She's going to eventually do something with marine biology, maybe. I don't know. She's honestly brings the most energy, sarcasm, and laughs to the family. Her mm. facial expressions say everything. And uh, yeah, she was the little babe of the family for a long time. Still is. She's the best. Yeah. So. Cool. All right. So from our perspective, yeah, like it, uh, the reason we, yeah, there's a lot of reasons we love the, the Dewey family and, and uh, we love all of you all. But uh, what is just incredible to us is that it looks like uh, you're adults now, right? And you think highly of your parents and uh, you share their values you're following the Lord, walking with the Lord, and you love each other. Like you go on walks together, you spend time together, you yeah. live in the same. I think that's the cool thing. Yeah. What he well, 
Finish your sentence. I was interrupting. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a... Well, he didn't finish his sentence. Okay, they all live in the same apartment complex, and so they all live, like, kind of with back doors opening up into the same courtyard, pretty much. And I just think that that is... I cool. imagine that as a parent, that's like a sweet thing when, you know, four of your adult kids all still, you know, are living that close, that close of friends. So... No, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, and we know like it's not, you know, it's not perfect. Nobody on this call is perfect. It's not a perfect family, but uh, I think that there are a lot of things that um, your parents have done and uh, and how they raised you all that has rubbed off on you all. And like like I said, you share their values and uh, you've got their sense of humor. You know, being uh, yeah, it's funny. He just started to ramble a little bit. And I'm not saying Mr. Dewey rambles, but it's. Uh, <laughs> It's just incredible. You know, it's like you, you, you've got good, you know, it's like you, your little images of your parents. And, uh, I think it's a really great thing. I think it's a, uh, I think your parents are incredible. And so to be like them is, is fantastic. So, um, so what are some of the values that your parents actively tried to instill in you all? That's a great question. I think one of, I think one of the biggest things that stick out to me in terms of values is um, I think just obviously I guess beyond honoring the Lord um, placing the Lord first in your life and um, settling your relationship individually with God the the biggest one of the biggest values I think our parents instilled in us is a love for family Um, my father was always really um, intentional about reminding us that we came from a a good family, a family that has standards of morality and um, a family that has been, you know, that has, has carried on a legacy of um, faithfulness to the Lord, of uh, usefulness to society, um, just just the kinds of things that you want to see in your children. They reminded us that we come from a family where that's, um, I guess that's, the norm and and there's a there's a responsibility when you're in part when you're in a family like that to uphold the family values to uphold the standard um, to realize you're part of something bigger you don't just operate by yourself but you really have a responsibility to uphold the image um, and the values of the family. Awesome. Well, ahead. I'm wondering what is that pra- like what does that practically look like because I can imagine you know or it's like okay I want that for our family but like the practicals of like, was he just having conversations with you guys or did he have it? a family lineage? He sat down like once a year and you know, let's go yeah. over the, yeah. How, how'd that work out practically? I can, I can hop in here. This has been talking. I, um, a dad was always very concerned with lineage and our ancestors. He, he was in some ways just fascinated by thinking about where, we came from, how we ended up um, where we were today. He would constantly talk about just all the different things that if they'd have gone the other way, you know, our grandfather stepped on a landmine. If he had died, poof, you know, none of us are here now. Or our great, 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 great grandfather who's a direct grandfather. If he'd have died crossing over some mountain when he was settling some land, we never would have been here. And so dad, dad was always very intrigued by the idea that um, there's a there's a very clear hand of God's sovereignty and his providence over how we came to be where we were in that household um, as his children and as each other's brothers and sisters. And so I, I think he, he liked to emphasize that uh, the fact that we were all together was for a purpose and for a reason. He liked to make sure that we knew that uh, God God allowed us to be a family for a reason. Um, and I don't think I always understood that as a child, but I did understand that, that it meant a lot to my dad. Um, and practically, practically, dad, he would just, he, he made it a point to, to create a identity around being a doobly. He, whether that was through conversations, Hillary, like like you mentioned, or through through uh, consistent habits and routines, we would we would do Bible studies every morning as a family. Uh, no, no other families we knew really did that. Even other Christian families never really all sat down together. So there 
boom, there's a distinctive thing about the Dooley family that separates us from other people. Um, there was, you know, there were certain ways that our friends interacted with their parents that we were not allowed to interact with our parents in that way. There was a different level of respect in how we interacted with our parents. So boom, this it's, there's a, another defining factor that's, that I guess really just creates some edges around what it meant to be a Dooley. So I, I think all of the different, the, the, the different habits and the different values that he emphasized in our lives and that mom emphasized in our lives, they helped round out in our minds what it meant to be a Dooley. And they, they created some edges about how we were separate from other families um, and how we did things was maybe unique in some ways because a, a, lot, a lot of families didn't do things the way we did. And um, we kind of were, we were never the most conservative family. We were never the most, uh, you know, never the most liberal family, but we were, we were somewhere in between and, and it was kind of a unique space that we existed in. I thought. That's good. Yeah. Um, Ellen's go ahead. I also think that something that mom and dad both really drove home for us. We grew up in a small town Mom and dad were transplants. We didn't have any family where we grew up. So it was just us. And really our church family was our family. Our homeschool families were our closest uh, people around us. And uh, mom and dad always, I don't know if it was just because our family was out of town or what, but mom and dad always made time uh, for uh, focusing on people in our community and really highly investing in um, our church and our homeschool families and the people around us. Um, And so another value is just people were really important to mom and dad, very important. And in turn, um, it taught us that also people are the most valuable thing in this life and investments in people are never going to be um, wasted. Um, and so I think also growing up, not having family around created like this really environment where we were very close because we were it. And then also, um, to dip into other people around us and invest in them. That's good. It's encouraging. What were we going to say? Yeah. I wanted to go back on, uh, um, some of the things you said about how you, what was different about how you treated your parents uh, than other yeah, kids treated their parents? Y'all can't see everybody, but everybody nodded when Ben said that. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think JP that, or Dave, yeah, I think that respect was one of the homework, I don't know, things that we've learned in, in a group. Growing up, um, respect for authority, respect for family, respect for one another. Um, and we just, we, we always held our mom and dad in respect. And I think that, 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 that mom and dad did a great job of displaying what holding someone in respect looked like between then it, it, in the relationship that they had with um, each other. And so um, we grew up, we grew up always seeing our father respect and treasure and value our mother. And in turn, we, we, we saw our mom um, show that respect to our father um, and, and so, and so I think that, that, that was the precedent of, um, a lot of the things is that we grew up with just having a really healthy respect of people who were, um, who, who had authority and, and family members and, um, and I probably didn't do the best job of describing that, so maybe someone else can flesh that out. But I think that respect was one of the hallmark characteristics that I learned from 
uh, my family. I mean, it kind yeah. of, or, go ahead, Ben. Let's get to just to add on to what JP said, he's a hundred percent right. Respect was maybe the most important value in our family. Um, if not, it's definitely in the top two, probably two or three. Um, the, I think part of the reason that respect was so clear, um, and it was such a clear, it was such a clear value that we embodied as a family was because mom and dad understood that the parent role is not um, just another friend role. I think, a, I think a lot of parents are really worried about their kids liking them. They're really worried about their kids, you know, be, wanting to be their friend. And so I think your parent is your friend, but they're not just your friend. They're, they're more than that. They're different than that. They're, they're not, they're not the same level. And so, they, they did a good job of making sure that we understood that as a parent, as our mother, as our father, they were entirely in their own category where there was this love, there was this pride that they had over us, they were proud of us, they loved us, but there also was this level of respect that we didn't necessarily share with other people who loved us like that. You know, it, it, just, it just made clear to us, they were very clear that being a parent was different than just being another friend or just being a you know, even another member of the family, like a cousin or a, an uncle or something, a parent was almost like a sacred role. Uh, and they never used that terminology, but it was there was a there was a reason that it was imbued with respect, and it's because they they made it clear that it was not it did we that they didn't fit into the other categories that we had for other people around us. That's because it sounds like the main thing that we're hearing what JP said was that it's like they modeled respect. Your dad always spoke highly of your mom, treasured her. You know, your mom spoke highly of your dad, respected and treasured him. And then the other main thing that kind of Ben hit on was that as parents, they just recognize that it's not about, you know, having this great buddy, buddy friendship with their kids, but it was going to be kind of an authority relationship of course there's love and there's warmth that's why you guys are on here um but it was more than that and what's so cool about that is that so many parents when they want you know oh I want my kids to be my friends it's because they want the risk like they want the respect and the admiration of their kids and a lot of times when you play that friend role you know you don't get that but I mean we can just see from you know, the evidence of all of what you guys have said so far, you've all have been praising your parents so much. And it's, I think, a direct correlation with that. And so I think it's pretty encouraging to, to hear even just that model that they had for yeah. you all. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you say it's a hallmark, I think it is a hallmark of the Deweys that, you know, I really do, um, every one of you all, and I don't know Mary Grace that well, but uh, it's like you not only respect your parents, but you do respect those around you. And uh, and so it is wild. Like it is ingrained. It's instilled in you all, and it's, it's pretty incredible. But practically, what did that look like um, that you're, you respected your parents? Like would you ever tell your dad, um, all right, pal, or or – Buddy, yeah. Would you ever use that language with your father? <laughs> yeah, I, you you can't see our faces, but we all laugh when Randy said <laughs> that because um, of how absurd of a thought it would be to call our father pal. That's right. Uh, maybe That's right. not so now, but when we were kids, um, that would have been a a, a direct pass uh, to a spanking, probably uh, if, if it was said in a flippant flippant manner. But no, I think practically it's it was things like saying yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. When we referred to um, mom, we didn't we didn't refer to her as she or her uh, or just uh, as like another woman. Dad made sure that we referred to her as mom, that we remembered her place and her role. It's not just another lady; that's your mother, and, and you have to treat her with respect. Um, so, so things like that, um, asking to be excused from the table, um, not taking not taking uh, basically it for granted that we eat a free meal every night and we sleep in a warm bed and, and do all these things uh, and they're providing for it. But um, I, I think acknowledging the authority of uh, mom and dad and, and one of the ways we did that was mom, 
dad, can I be excused from the table? Um, and, uh, and then, and then I think just, um, maybe another thing was just that whenever, whenever we would, um, like want to go somewhere or do something, we would just ask permission. Um, and it was expected that, um, if we asked mom for something and, uh, and we were trying to maybe pit mom versus dad, they would always be unified, um, and would make sure that they weren't, um, they, they weren't being played by us kids where uh, one maybe said no to something then we asked the other, but basically they respected the other mom respected dad's decision and, and vice versa. And they were united in that. So those are a couple of practical fit ways that the respect pops out, you know, in my mind at least. Yeah. I guess one more to just clarify. So would you say you would say, uh, if your dad said to do something, gave a command, you would respond with "Yes, sir." Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Every time. But if you had a question for your dad, would you say "Dad"? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You use "Dad" and "Mom." Yeah, we, yeah. We didn't only use "Sir." That's, that's right. right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh... Yeah, I think that it's it's easy to like. I'm hearing. I'm hearing us talk and it's easy to think or it's easy to think when we're talking about it I'm trying to think what to say it sounds kind of almost militaristic yes ma'am we, yes sir no ma'am no sir I feel like but, we sound like the Von Trapp family yeah, <laughs> but yeah. we're not we weren't we were but not it, but I think that the, the overarching um, thing that we felt in all of this was a deep love, I would say, um, it's alongside of the respect. And so that respect came from a, a willing place. And um, it sometimes it was, it was forced, but... The majority of the time, it was from a deep love and uh, and uh, and yeah, just a deep love for our parents. Yeah, I I think too that's the love is a huge part of it. The, there, it was not a cold respect; it was a very it yeah. was a very loving respect. Part of the reason the respect um, existed as long as it has, though, and it endures to this day is because mom and dad were respectable. So there, it's a two-way street. You don't demand respect from your children and then behave in a way that's not respectable. We, you know, kids see right through that. But as it's been said, dad honored mom. Dad was faithful to mom. Dad prioritized our family. Uh, mom prioritized our family. They were respectable people, so... Then, then demanding certain levels of respect and requiring certain certain ways that we interacted with them be respectful was it was logical to us as children because they 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 conducted themselves in a way where the respect made sense um, and I I don't think it was ever a situation where I don't remember ever just feeling like I wouldn't ever respect my parents. I remember feeling like I was mad at my parents over something they didn't want me to have or do, but it was never a lack of respect because they were always respectable. So I think, I think that's a factor as well. That's really well said, Ben. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to derail us too much from our questions, but you know, we kind of hit on how your parents loved you guys. And, uh, Man, help us understand what are some of the things that your parents did? I don't know if it was playing with you or carving out time for you. Um, what are some ways that they um, loved you well through childhood? Yeah, maybe even like a story or something of something that you really remember that was impactful. Um, one of my favorite things that dad would always do with this whenever he got home was uh, he would take off, he was a game warden. So he would take off his work belt. And when we were younger, this would happen, but he would get down on all fours in our living room 
and we'd throw a quilt over him so he couldn't see anything. And our living room was in like a, had like a couch and a love seat. And all of us kids would jump from <laughs> like couch to couch. And dad would try to like get us underneath uh-huh. the blanket and we called it tiger. Um, and he would just play with us. He would get on our level and, uh, he actually one time broke his toe trying to like catch us. He hit his toe on a door frame and uh, the game ended very quickly after that. But he (laughs) was always, um, even like, you know, work, he had crazy hours working. Um, his sleep schedule was really weird and he was just on call a lot. And, but he always made time to play with his kids. And again, like always just was, he was always very affirming too. Um, I feel like we're talking a lot about dad here, but, um, anytime that we would, um, like get ready for church in the morning and, you know, like be waiting for everyone to get ready. He would always like intentionally focus on, um, us kids and be like, you look really nice this morning. You're so like, he would always tell me, Marcus, you're, you're so beautiful this morning. Anytime mom would come out, she, he would say, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, like very affirming. And so I feel like his interactions with us, uh, we're very playful. Um, even though he was really tired from, uh, working a lot. Um, and also very affirming. We never doubted how our father viewed us as his children. I, the thoughts never crossed my mind, man, my dad's not proud of me. My dad's not, doesn't love me. My dad is disappointed in me. Um, and he, he would communicate and and just communicate very well how he, viewed us as his children and how excited he was that we were his crew. Yeah. One, one other little, I guess, anecdote about dad. Um, he, he, he like rarely, rarely ever took days off of work. Um, but I, I know I probably looking back, know for a fact that 90% of the days he took off were spent um, taking uh, the boys, me and James Paul and Ben to West Virginia to see our grandpa and we had a little hunting camp up there um, and we'd go for a weekend and we'd hunt and we'd, and we'd hang out and eat and talk. Um, and so I, he would, he would just carve out this time, you know, he, he never takes off, but he would carve out this time to spend with us. And during those times, I remember so many times dad would, we'd be walking through the woods hunting or something. And dad would say something along the lines of David, do I tell you, I love you enough. Do I spend enough time with you? Um, intentionally asking me those things and i and i remember always thinking how how absurd that sounded to me because i was like dad yeah of course of course you do but um i think that's something dad really worried about um maybe worry is not the right word but he was really conscious about and wanted to make sure that each child knew they were special he he's one of his sayings was you know david or ellen or mary or whatever you don't take a backseat to anyone in this family. You're just as valuable as Ben, as James Paul, as as, as Mary, as Ellen. Um, so he, he, he made sure that he was intentional about knowing we were special, knowing that he saw us, loved us, and that he was wanting to spend time with us. And he asked us regularly if he was, you know, doing those things well. Um, and yeah, and he, and he did. It is just... Uh, like it's a beautiful thing. Someone once told me that, you know, when you have more kids, it's not like different slices of the pie, but it's like you get multiple pies and your heart just grows in a capacity to love. And I think it's like almost what you're getting at is that your parents did that really well. Um, they just had that capacity to, to show love and, you know, I'm sure your dad was exhausted when he got home, but it was just more important to him to love his family well. So what else, like, I, I'm curious, I'm sure there's other stories, but what else happened to show that your parents really did love you? Anything else that comes to mind? Um, I think a story that comes to my mind is, so growing up, I had a pretty severe speech impediment, and that was something that I really struggled with uh, during probably middle school through high school. And mom um, would always 
So each time that I tried to do something that was scary, um, like I was in theater when I was in in high school, and I, and then I was in plays, um, and I did mock trials where I had to speak in front of you know like a hundred people, and and whenever I would ask mom if she thought that it was a good idea that I pursued this, she always would call the champion out of me, to be honest, um, and would, would always reaffirm me, um, that if that, that I shouldn't ever limit myself because of something like us, the speech impediment. And so I think that mom was incredible at seeing things that I did not see in myself and encouraging me towards the man that she saw me, uh, saw me as, um, and saw me becoming. And, and I think that was just a beautiful trait that mom had and a, a um a big way that she's showing her love in my life is just being incredibly supportive of the endeavors that I've you know put my hand to. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I think too, I think she's yeah, it seems like, you know, she's kind of been instrumental in making you as courageous as you are. You know, and I think that uh that's pretty cool how she supported you. Yeah. And, and gave the opportunity to be courageous, and you've taken those right. those chances. So, um, how about we move on to day to day life? Should we do that? Or yeah, we... we probably should have asked this like at the beginning. Oh man, we could go forever but, about this. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just for everybody else to know. We know this about you guys, but we're if you could tell everybody what's some of the logistics of your life growing up, like um, schooling. Like, did y'all share rooms? Did you play sports? Did you eat meals together? Any traditions that you had? Just some of the basic, you know, things to your life just to kind of give us a picture of what it looked like a little bit more. And also, did you feel like that helped contribute to the warmth in your home? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of our daily routine was characterized by sharing because there was a lot of us and we didn't have a huge house. Um, so the, the boys all shared a room, the three of us had a room together. Um, and you know, it's funny to this day, I prefer having a roommate over, uh, (laughs) over having a room to myself. It's funny. It's it's a comfort to me for some reason. Um, but I spent, I've spent my whole life with JP, my whole childhood life with JP in my room. And then David, when he came along and, um, so anyways, we, we shared rooms, um, we never, we were not allowed to lock doors in our house. Um, you know, you could close doors, but if you lock the door, uh, you know, it probably meant you were up to no good. So, um, so anyways, there, you know, some of those logistics were, we shared a lot of our space with each other. There wasn't a ton of like me time as far as, you know, isolating yourself from, from everyone. Um, on top of that, we were homeschooled for, all of our formative years for sure. And then we did some private Christian school ish towards um, our high school years, but our homeschool was very organized, very structured. We woke up and started at the same time every day. Uh, Mom made us all get dressed. Like we were going to go to school. We did not. We, I probably count on one hand, the number of times I got to do school in my pajamas and it was only if it snowed or, you know, there had to be some special reason that that ever happened. But mom really, mom really created a lot of structure for us, um, as our teacher. And, and so she created an environment where we really got a lot done. We were super efficient with everything that we did. We, we learned a lot. We covered a lot of topics and, um, and mom you know, mom ran that every day from 8 a.m. till 2 or 3 o'clock was homeschool. And, I mean, we were, it was very rigorous. Um, as we got older, we did play sports, but we couldn't all play our own sport. 
we had to, because there were so many of us and mom did literally didn't have the time to take us to four or five different sporting team practices or games. We had to, we had to decide to all be on teams together. And so we were forced to be, you know, JP and David were, and Ellen were my teammates my whole life in every sport I played, um, <laughs> whether it was co-ed soccer as kids and then high school basketball with JP. And, um, you know, so it's funny. We, we just had to share a lot. And that was something that really was different in our family than from other families because not everyone else had as many kids as us in a lot of ways. And so a lot of people had more individual individuality. Uh, as far as their own agendas, their own schedules, a lot of other kids, um, life was more about them, I guess. And ours was about our family because we were trying to, to fit everything in and, uh, and let everybody enjoy a little bit because there were so many, so many of us that, that had interests and ideas and, and desires to do things. So, um, so anyways, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, how I remember it. And I'd, I'd love for someone else to fill in or if, if I miss anything, I can't remember all the details. Ellen, did you and Mary Grace share a room as well? We did. So um, Mary Grace, what I was eight years old when Mary Grace was born. Um, so I had a room up until then. And then, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think, yeah, we eventually ended up having bunk beds when she was able to sleep in a normal bed when she grew up. And same, sharing was so, so normal for us. It wasn't anything to, you know... I don't think we said mine ever, like really, um, toys. We loved like playing, um, one Christmas we got a Nintendo DS and we got one for all the sibs and we would take turns, you know, uh, 15 minutes. Mom would set the timer. Actually, I think it was 30 minutes. Mom would set the timer 30 minutes. I would have a turn, and then once the timer went off, I'd have to hand it over <laughs> to one of my brothers, and they'd play for 30 minutes. And so, but I also remember outside of the structure, we, uh, mom always put us in a lot of extracurricular activities, whether it be art lessons or uh, theater class or, um, like different clubs, like 4-H, we did this like presidential club fitness thing that we would always go to, um, soccer practice. Mom was running all the time with us kids and, uh, she never complained. And it was such a joy for her. And like, she looked like she was just having the best time just hauling five kids around in her minivan playing the Bee Gees, you know, <laughs> on <laughs> pulling up what the Bee Gees blasted in the car. Um, but she, I think that she definitely uh, just provided us with a lot of opportunity to uh, just explore what we were interested in. And all of us are very different personalities, have very different, uh, like kind of the ways we work. And JP's really artistic. I'm really not artistic. Ben's really uh, athletic. Um, and so she would cater to like our giftings and get us involved in stuff. And, uh, we were very busy, but there was always structure and we always had dinner together at a family, as a family, regardless of how busy our, uh, schedules would get specifically when we got into like high school and we were traveling a lot with sports and, um, whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah, and and I think that sharing was so common that when I got to college, I was like, "This is weird having my like own bag of Chex Mix." You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I got my own box of Captain Crunch with 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 no one else trying to eat it right now." This is incredible and also kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> that's funny we had our own clothes though like, it wasn't like completely co like communal everything um, <laughs> like, that's right it, it might sound like that but uh, mom, mom and dad actually did a pretty good job of um, like uh, especially on birthdays and Christmas really giving us a few like things that were 
really special and that were ours. And, um, you know, they would invest in our interests and our hobbies. And um, I remember James Paul at, at a certain stage was really into um, learning how to draw better. And so he, they got him several um, books to help him draw, um, teaching him how to draw um, different different games that we card games or um other kinds of games we one of us might have been interested in at one point they would invest in those things and and those would be ours um so we did do a lot of sharing i'd say most things were shared but but they also made uh they made a way to for us to have our own special things that that were just us yeah would would you all say this is true is uh you know from what you just said i I try to think in the back of my mind like you know not only the dewey's respectful but they're also pretty classy you know like uh you've got you know would you say that your parents gave you things like i don't know maybe a tie you know if you're a man or or yeah like but nice clothing that was that was a little expensive and so it was it was a special treat but it made you value nice things Would, would you say that's true or what do you think? That, definitely. He wants to know yeah. how, how you guys got classy. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, he really the whole thing. That's classy. I think both of our parents are um, big fans of high quality things. They just like uh, basically uh, operate off of if you're going to buy something, you might as well buy something nice that's going to last. So I think mom mom and dad, you know, like if we were going to have a, a winter coat or a you know, new pair of shoes, they wanted to get us you know nice a nice coat, a nice pair of shoes that were going to last. Um, I don't know if, I mean, I, I don't know if they were ever, <laughs> I probably, I probably did get a couple ties thrown in there. Uh, but they weren't like forcing us into fedoras, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And maybe- no, I, I do. I do remember though, Randy, I remember when we got older, mom would always get us like, I remember mom got each of us a bow tie from Brooks Brothers one time and she got us, you know, she made sure we had like nice loafers. We went to like a more formal church. So we would have to dress up every Sunday. Uh, you know, that was like the standard when we were growing up. So we got, I think we got used to like looking nice. Dad, uh, when we were kids, dad would line the three of us boys up and comb each of our hair for us to make sure it looked you know, he'd come it over and back and make sure we look, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I think there was some of that. I, I think it was more about being respectable than being cl- – I mean, I think being classy and being respectable are in the same yeah. category. But for Dad, it was it was about being respectable, making sure you you represent your family well. And I, I think that was, that was a big driving factor for him was when you go out in public, you're representing me you know, as your father, as Jim Dooley and, and your mother as Janice Dooley. And so we want you to, we want you to carry yourself in a way that's respectable and, and that looks good on us. So I, I think that was some of, some of maybe this classiness that you, that you see. I, I don't know. I don't know if I feel we're very classy and, and I, times, but I think classy is probably the wrong word. It doesn't fit just right. But I do think, you know, you hit on the nail as being respectable. And uh, being clean and neat, and and representing uh, the Dewey name, and so I do think that kind of hits it on the head. And so, but let's change gears here. Yeah, we got to move on. We got to move um, on. So let's talk about discipline. What did that look like in your house? We asked your parents the same question, but we'd like to hear it from y'all's perspective. I can go brief. I'll be very brief. I know I'm long winded. I I remember discipline being very consistent. I remember I remember mom and dad communicating very clearly to us. I don't remember there being you know fits of uncontrollable rage that resulted in some type of discipline. I don't remember anything like that. I remember expecting every spanking I got because <laughs> I knew that it it like I just remember knowing that I earned that. I earned that spanking. There was never, there was, I, there was never a, a time when I felt like discipline was abusive um, or anything even close to that. It was always very calculated, and and it was explained the reason why we were being disciplined and and uh, the importance of it. And 
So I, I think discipline was a very, was a very common part of our, of our childhood for sure. One of the phrases that we dreaded the most, if we got in trouble while dad was gone, um, mom would say, your father will take care of this when he gets home. <laughs> I was the thinking the exact same thing. worst thing our mother could have said to us <laughs> ruined our whole day. We would sob. Be like, no, don't tell dad. You can't tell him. That's hilarious. Uh, and, they, and you know what? When dad got home, we would hide. <laughs> 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 And we, and we would hide in our rooms and <laughs> not because we were scared, but we knew we did something wrong. Right. And we knew that mom would communicate to dad what the day was like and that he would handle um, us disobeying, disrespecting mother. And it taught us it had, it had to be like that because mom was by herself a whole day with five really crazy kids uh, with really big personalities. And Sometimes she would take care of it then and there, and then other times she would let dad handle it when he got home. And so it was, like Ben said, always communicated very clearly. We always knew uh, why we were being disciplined, and it was always for a very good reason because we got into a lot of trouble. And a lot of times all of us would get in trouble together all at the same time. Ben would usually be the ringleader, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) Was there ever any difference? Or go ahead, Ben. Since she called you out. No, I was just going to say, I don't deny that. Uh, I don't know if I was always the ringleader, but I don't deny that there were times when I, when I was, um, I will say this too. I, I know a lot of, uh, even talking to some of my friends at school, a, a lot of people, um, think that the idea of like, you know, your dad will take care of this when he gets home creates this, like this almost like dreading of your dad coming home. And, you know, I think that, uh, I don't know. I just, don't, I don't think that that affected um, our understanding that dad loved us. He didn't come home and, you know, necessarily even want to discipline us, but there, he just knew that was part of his role as our dad was to, was to help enforce the structure of our family. Um, so I, I, I just want to say like, just because dad was the threat, um, it didn't, it didn't necessarily reduce our feel like our feeling that dad loved us and wanted to be with us and spend time with us. Um, I, so anyways, I, I just wanted to add that in there because I know some people are like, Oh, it just ruins your relationship with your dad. If, if you just are worried about him coming home and scared of him. And I don't think that was the case at all for us. And that's that good, threat was used. That's good clarification. Cause even and, just- Hey, and mom, mom can handle her business too. Yeah, Mom can handle her Come business. On. Come on. Yeah, I always was of the opinion that she she um, spanked harder than Dad. That's probably because she spent more time with us and uh, saw firsthand how how much of a pain we were. Um, but I, w- I was just going to chip in that um, one thing. One of the things that I, I I really respect about what how how Mom and Dad handled um, punishment, uh, something that I want to do in the future with, with my children, is um, when Dad came home and was told my mom that so-and-so had done this or had acted up and was deserving of punishment or spanking. Dad didn't, uh, he didn't question her. He, he took mom's word as gold. That was the end of the matter. She had made the decision and he was just going to carry it out. And so I think that kind of close, uh, that trust between mom and dad was really, um, was really helpful. Um, because, yeah, you were never going to get in between mom and dad. I think that was understood by all of us. It, there just wasn't any wiggling in between in between them and um, squirming your way out. Um, dad did trusted mom implicitly, and if she said something was the way uh, something happened or something was uh, was wrong, then it was, and that was that. Uh, so I think I just I just think that that's that was really helpful um, to see that kind of trust and. Um, tightness uh, between between our parents. Yeah. Absolutely. I also will say that whenever we were disciplined, um, at, right after Dad would discipline us or Mom would discipline us, if the if it was a problem between siblings, um, they would always affirm their love. So they would be like, "You know, I love you," and they would give us a hug. And kiss us. And then they would say, okay, if, if, if something happened between you and your brother, 
um, I want you to go to your brother, give him a hug. And he and dad would make us hug uh, the sibling that we were in a fight with um, after we got disciplined and kiss them. And it was like the worst, (laughs) almost worse than actually getting a spanking because it was, it's, you are my family. You are my brother. Uh, I did this wrong. I'm sorry. And it was like a physical, like, I'm sorry. That really was, uh, it was very, it was, it taught us a lot about forgiveness and moving forward. And you know what, once that was done, it was in the past and we moved forward and we'd have great evenings after that. But yeah, um, yeah, mom and dad always were like, okay, you're good with me. Go get like, go be good with your brother too. So yeah, one question I had is uh, Randy's been dying to ask yeah. this question. You kind of have answered See, it a little bit, but well, I, I don't know. But I don't, I don't know what your what was not tolerated. No, 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 no. We oh. already know that disrespect. Disrespect yeah. was not tolerated. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, what was maybe the difference? Did you see any difference between how your parents disciplined um, the boys? Like, was there a difference between the boys and the girls growing up? Everybody gets spankings for breaking the rules. I would say I, uh, in general, didn't get in trouble all that much because I would watch my brothers get in trouble and say, I'm not going to do that because <laughs> that wasn't smart. Yeah, you and were so smart, I, Ellen. I feel like I observed a lot and <sighs> learned from their mistakes. But I would say that if I were to have done something and my brothers would have done the same thing, it, it would have been fair, like the same same, same punishment, same, yeah. same, um, like a lot of times mom and dad would be like, you, uh, no TV tonight, or, um, you're going to have to go to bed by eight, eight o'clock and like miss out on hanging out with the fam. Or, you know, it wasn't just like, like a spanking there. They would take, take away, you know, uh, our cell phones or, uh, computer time or TV time or whatever. And, um, and so it was, uh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. You know, one thing I love is it sounds to me like I read this book called Dare to Discipline by James Dobson. And I think that's his name. And it just sounds like your parents read that book four or five, six times and implemented everything he said. And, and I think it just it validates this idea of discipline is good. It doesn't cause kids to hit and... Uh, yeah, it, it like when it's done in love, like it really produces um, good, productive adults. You know, in the long run, and uh, so I think it, it's pretty cool. I'm what I uh, yeah, I think it's it sounds to me that they followed that book to a T. But uh, anyways, let's wrap up here. Yeah, here's the last question for you. Yeah, what are some of the things you want to replicate um, in your families in the future? And not not all of you are. Married, but if you were married and had children, what would be some of the things you'd want to instill in them? You know, I think that kind of going off of even that last question, uh, I I read somewhere that children want to. They're they're always asking two questions. They they are they're asking, "Am I loved?" and "What's." How how far can I go? <laughs> and <laughs> so I think that what I'd like to bring into my household one day is um, just that over that overarching feeling of knowing that family was a safe space for me to live um and that and that no matter what family always had my back it was like you know being uh duly meant something and being a brother to my siblings meant something and i was responsible and so i had um yeah and so i think that i would i would really want to bring that feeling of love and uh, 
and warmth to my family. That's good. I think something that I have talked to mom and dad about in asking like, how the heck did you raise all of us kids and all of us end up semi-decent and all of us end up really enjoying each other's company still and loving each other still. Uh, And something that mom told me that I think I, I will definitely do whenever I have a family is her and dad always prayed that us children would never have a rebellious spirit towards the Lord and his commands and towards them as our authority um, with the time we had with them. And I think that that's just a very wise prayer. It's not that my kids will be successful. My kids will, uh, you know, it's encompassing that we won't have a rebellious spirit and that we will honor um, the Lord and on our appearance. And I think that the Lord really did answer that prayer um, in a really gracious way. Um, and I think that's something that I will use whenever I have a family yeah. that the Lord does not ha- give my kids a rebellious spirit towards me or the Lord. And I think if they don't have that, then they're going to be okay. Yeah, that's good. That's powerful. I think piggybacking off of that a little bit, um, in addition to everything that's that's already been said, um, mo- mom and dad always connected the the I guess the family unit to a greater spiritual reality. Um, I remember dad saying many times, "Son, I want you to obey me and listen to me, so that when God tells you to do something or um, convicts you of your sin, you will respond in the affirmative. You will." not be disobedient to him, but you'll listen to him. Um, I heard him say that the love that I show to you as a father is just a small fraction, a poor shadow of the love that God has for you. Um, and so I think, I think dad and mom made connected family so well to the greater spiritual reality of belonging to God's family, of being God's child. Um, and, and around all that was the love and the respect and discipline, but helping my child to see that this wonderful gift of family is, is great, but ultimately it's a shadow of something even better, namely being part of God's family. Um, and so that's something I want to impress upon my kids. All right. And to wrap it up, um, I agree with everything they said. I've, I've been taking notes. These are all things that I'm being reminded of that I am like, Oh yeah, that, that would be great. My family did that too. Um, I, uh, one thing that mom and dad were really good at was they, they communicated their love to us. They didn't just show their love, but they, they communicated their love. They didn't just act like they were proud of us. They communicated that they were proud of us. I can't tell you how many times my dad uh, would tell me like, Ben, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of who you are. I'm proud of what you're doing. Um, it, it wasn't that it wasn't like when we just did something noteworthy or impressive it was just like because we were his kids he just was proud of us for just being his children um and so we i I like the idea of being conditioned to to trust that your dad's proud of you regardless of your performance and i i think i really i believe that wholeheartedly that that dad would say he was proud of me when i did things good on the basketball court or when i got good grades or whatever but uh, but he also said it when I didn't do anything, when he just would wake up and see me, he'd look at me and tell me that he was proud of me and that he loved me. And so I think communicating that to my family, to my kids um, is really important to me. And then lastly, something mom always did, I think dad said this too, but they always told us that we can be whatever we want. Um, again, we came from a small town and people from the town we're from don't leave that town. You know, they grow up and they do something there. And it's, it's usually not very impressive, to be honest, but most people end up doing where we're from. But mom and dad always, always helped us believe that we could do whatever we wanted. And when I'd been out of school for a long time and thought about going back to law school, uh, I remember I called my mom because I wanted to hear if she thought I could do it. And uh, I explained to her it'd be tough, it'd be difficult. And she just told me, like, you, you can do that, Ben. I believe you can do it. I've always known that you were intelligent. You know, she, she just was very supportive and very clear 
And I think part of because I've been told my whole life that I can be whatever I set my mind to um, was part of the reason that I even believed I could get into a good law school or go, you know, go and complete the program and all those different things. And so um, anyways, it, I think I want to, I want to instill that in my kids too, that they can, that type of self-confidence that you can create a reality for yourself if you put your mind to it. And uh, mom and dad did that for us. Yeah. Cool. That's, I mean, I think that that's like the knowing that your parents are proud of you, no matter what your performance is. And like, I think that that on top of the, like instilling the confidence, it does make it to where like through adulthood and just in life, you are like, you know, that you are capable of achieving what you can do. So, um, but anyways, Hey, we have loved having you guys on today. It's been a lot of fun to hear from y'all and, um, we appreciate y'all taking the, the time tonight and hanging out with us. So, um, stay tuned and keep on listening to reclaiming families and you'll get to hear a little bit more about different people's experiences with warm homes. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.